Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. Today, I have a exciting new guest to the show, Miss Sarah Dawkins, all the way from Spain. How are you, my dear? I'm good, thank you. I'm, um, I'm from the UK, living in Spain, um, and the weather's fabulous and life's good. That's what I heard. <laughs> I have another friend that moved to Spain from the UK, and he absolutely loves it there. Life's so, very simple. I'm super excited to have you on today because we have a lot in common. Um, so tell the listeners a little bit about your background and who you are. Um, my name's Sarah Dawkins. I was a registered nurse for 20 years working in critical care. Um, I had an awakening in 2005 when somebody just planted a seed in my, my mind that actually there might be something outside of medicine um, because I was raised by a nurse. So I started looking, doing lots and lots of research and ended up doing a course uh, for coaching and became a master coach and concentrated on holistic healing um, because I've healed myself of multiple health problems from underactive thyroid, burnt out adrenal glands, joint pains, um, a candida infection, and it all culminated in a suicidal depression. Um, as, as I started to heal the suicidal depression without pharmaceuticals against my doctor's advice, I thought there must be other people doing this, healing themselves without pharmaceuticals. So I started to write about my own healing in my book called Heal Yourself um, to help other people to understand that we can heal ourselves. But then the little voice inside my head went, you know, who do you think you are? What are you doing? And I, and I put my book away for five years on my laptop. Um, and then finally I got it out because something I woke up one day and thought, no, I've just got to write this book. Um, mm -hmm. I reached out to lots of people all over the world who's healed themselves. What have you healed? Do you want to come and join me to help to show other people that we can heal ourselves mm -hmm. um, totally, totally naturally? So I've got 74 people plus my own healing journey in my book called Heal Yourself from conditions like multiple sclerosis and ALS, motor neurone disease, autoimmune we can heal all of that. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, first of all, like, what made you go into nursing in the first place? Was it because your mom was a nurse? Yeah, my mom was a nurse. I was raised in the medical model. Um, and I wanted to go and help people because I saw nursing as helping to heal people. Mm -hmm. That's the same but, reason why I got into it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So what was your, um, in 2005, what was your aha moment or what was the seed that was planted for you? So we um, got ourselves a dog and um, I just mentioned at work that I was going to take the dog to the vet for its baby puppy shots. Mm -hmm. And um, somebody said, you know, why? Uh, why are you giving it vaccination? Well, that's what you're supposed to do, right? So he said, well... Do you know what's in a vaccine? Do you know the ingredients? Um, and has the dog not got its own immune system? So then I'm starting thinking, well, okay, so let's, you know, let's do a bit of research because I wanted to remain open-minded. Mm -hmm. um, so I started researching and wow, the whole like, rabbit warren opened up, you know, it's just like, it just led me one thing led to another, to another, to another. And that's so funny because people don't realize that animal vaccinations are the same as human vaccinations. They yeah. all have very, very toxic, very dangerous components and people still do it there. And it's funny to me because, you know, uh, being a human being, they'd be like, oh, no, I don't I don't want a vaccination for me. But I made an appointment at the vet for my animals. Yeah. Why? It's the same. Yeah. The ingredients are just shocking. They're so toxic. Mm -hmm. So that was your first um, awakening moment into maybe the medical industry isn't exactly what it was cracked up to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because being raised by a nurse, it was like, well, if you're sick, you go to the doctor, you get a prescription, you get a diagnosis, uh, and then you heal that with the, the pills. Right. So once I started looking into uh, outside of pharmaceuticals, into uh, how can we heal ourselves without pharmaceuticals, mm -hmm. that, you know, it's just, just so much research following that seed planted by one of my work colleagues. 
And I think there's um, a lot of people too that are in the nursing or healthcare field in general that don't realize the amount of snowing that we all got in school, you know, yeah. and it's all, it's all, you know, based around the pharmaceutical industry and, and you have this quote condition and, and take pills for it and that'll fix everything. Not, not educating people well enough on the pharmaceutical industry on its own merits that that in turn causes other problems with other organs. Absolutely. I mean, in my nurse training, we had one lecture on nutrition. Right. Same. Um, uh, and that's it. Um, and, and, it, and there's so much to healing as outside of nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you still practicing nursing right now? No, I actually surrendered my license over a year ago um, because the work I'm doing now conflicts with the work I did as a registered nurse because I'm trying to get people off pharmaceuticals right. um, and get them to do some deep healing work to get to, to heal themselves. Whereas as a nurse, we give pharmaceuticals or we cut bits out or we put bits in and we, we call it healed. But actually all we've done is reduce the symptoms. Right. Masking things. Hiding, hiding what is really going on. So I did, you and I have that in common as well, because I gave my, my license last year as well. Um, right. I kept it for a long time and I don't know why, because I retired from nursing, but I kept it, you know, and, and I, people reach out every day and they're like, we want you to come work for us. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> not going yeah. back to that industry. I can't do it. So no, how did it, sorry, go, go ahead. I was just going to say it, it took me two years to work up to surrendering my license because mm-hmm. I'd always identified as Sarah, the nurse and, you know, I'd nursed for, for nearly 20 years by then. I'm like, well, who am I going to be if I'm not a nurse? You know, I'd, I'd, it was my aspiration as a, a young child to be a nurse. So right. two years of, of what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? And is it viable? And, and, you know, can I be not a nurse, mm-hmm. but, but I haven't looked back since I've surrendered my license. So explain to people that are new to the show, um, what you did as a critical care nurse and what that means. Um, for oof, six years, I think it was, I worked in cardiothoracics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would recover them in the ward and help them to to get back on the feet and fit enough to go home and then I moved into recovery so I became part of the theatre nursing set Mm -hmm. um, and helped people to recover from their their anaesthetic and their operations um, let them wake up made sure they were stable um, uh, gave them pain relief where needed make sure they weren't bleeding make sure they were comfortable make sure they were breathing make sure they were stable enough to go back to the ward. Um, so it was a like an interim between the theatres and the ward setting. Right. So um, how did you get into doing uh, cardiothoracic in the first place? When I was doing my nurse training, I had a, a placement in cardiothoracics um, and I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I, I like new neurology, so it, and I, I was like, am I going to work with brains or hearts? But the staff on the cardiothoracic ward were fabulous, and I got on really well, and I just loved the work. Um, so that's how I chose it. But when I went into nursing, I had no idea what you know what specialty I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I thought I just got to do try it all and see what works. I think that is important for a lot of people to understand that you and I both. Um, having such a wide knowledge of different types of nursing and different types of patients, I think it leads, lends a lot of credence to, you know, what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause in recovery, we, I covered, uh, we rotated around all the recoveries. So I covered everything, gyne- gynecology, orthopedics, plastics, mm-hmm. um, 
all through the different specialties. So it gave me a really good rounded knowledge mm-hmm. um, of different conditions, different surgeries, different recoveries. So how did you get started um, on your journey with healing? What what was the push to make you actually start healing yourself? After the seed was planted in 2005 um, and I did all the research, um, I had acid reflux and eczema. So I, I thought, well, if I cut out wheat and dairy, um, and do a bit of de-stressing and get a bit more sunshine to make vitamin D. So that was starting really small. Um, but it was once I hit the depression and then became suicidal in 2010, and the doctor said, you know, you need antidepressants. You can't heal without antidepressants. And I said, well, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm going to heal this. Um, and in, in exercising, I had to walk my dogs and a friend took me to the gym every day, uh, sorry, every week. And I started to clean up my eating habits. I started to do more exercise. I started to drink more water and I started to, um, make my own products. Um, so stopped using the toxic shop bought products and made my own real simple, mm-hmm. um, home laundry products, cleaning products, um, bit of makeup, um, bit of creams. Um, so I was cleaning up my whole uh, diet and lifestyle. So that really helped lift the depression. Um, and at the same time, it also helped my thyroid and uh, my adrenal glands. Um, so as because as, as um, Charlotte Gerson says, you can't just heal one thing in isolation. Mm-hmm. When you heal, you heal. So right. in healing the depression, I also healed my thyroid and my um, overworked adrenal glands. Um, and then as I started doing my coaching training back in 2016, I started then going, doing the deep inner work, the emotional, the mental and the spiritual work. Right. Um, Because you can get so far with doing physical things, Mm -hmm. but actually true healing needs you to go in and do some of the inner deep work, healing the trauma from from your younger years. That's what I was going to ask you, like during that particular time when you were doing that, um, how did you go about addressing uh, childhood traumas or things that had happened to you? that you're keeping emotionally inside? Um, I made a start when I was um, doing my my coaching training because the lady who took the training was very spiritual. Mm -hmm. And she took us on a journey written by um, Brandon Bayes. It's called The Journey. And you go into yourself and you tap into your body wisdom and your body wisdom takes you to a, a, a hurt, a trauma from the past, Um, And you have a conversation around it with the people involved. So you get to understand who said what, why they said what they do. And and to understand that actually the people involved were doing what they could do with the skills and knowledge that they had at that time Mm -hmm. when they said and did those things. So it's that deep understanding that actually I'm not a victim. I just was on the receiving end of somebody who didn't realize they had their own traumas to heal and hadn't healed them. Right. So it's about going into those traumas, but understanding it from everybody's point of view, because a lot of people um, don't have the courage to go in and do that inner work. And, and I've said, I won't do the work or, or other people are on the brink or they haven't, they're going to do it, but they haven't done it. But it's about seeing them with compassionate eyes. I think for a lot of people, because I have a really good friend that I talked to the I talk to about this all the time. She said she's terrified to to confront things from her past. It's really scary for her. Yeah. And and so, you know, holding that emotion <clears throat> and I talk to people about this all the time that when you have those emotional traumas or physical traumas or events in your life, you know, you store that you store all that negative energy at a cellular level. And that is what contributes to your state of unwellness. Massively, massively. And as um, Gabor Mate says, your, your body speaks your mind. So Mm -hmm. what you've got going on in your subconscious mind that you might not even be aware of will show in your body. Right. A hundred percent. And that's why I think a lot of people, um, 
you know, it, it comes out as uh, stomach issues, digestive problems, uh, headaches, sleeping issues. Those are all very common because, you know, what's affected most our brain, our heart, (laughs) our gut. gut. Yeah. Yeah. Gut is the big one because, you know, the gut brain biome and the connection there between the two. And, you know, if you don't take care of that negative energy and all those negative emotions that were stored deep at a cellular level, um, those come up and manifest as, you know, sickness at, at all levels. And so joint pain and all kinds of things go along with that. So how did you go about contacting like other people? Uh, was it just like you ran into them on social media and you're like, I want to hear your story or how did that go? So I, I reached out on all the different social media platforms that I'm on, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, and Instagram. I reached out to, you know, put an advert out there. Who, has anybody healed themselves? This is what I'm doing. I want to help people to understand that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a few responses, but not many. So then I started joining some groups of wellness groups and, and health and healing type groups. Mm-hmm. And when people had put, I've had this and this is what I've healed or I've done this and, and this has worked for me. So then I contacted them personally and as I started getting more and more stories in, I started looking, what, what am I missing? What, can, what might people want to heal that I haven't got already? So then I started reaching out um, through avenues, just trawling the internet, finding people who'd written blogs about their own healing mm-hmm. and how they'd healed. And then I reached out to those people too. Um, so I've got quite a broad spectrum of healing. I would have liked to have got... Alzheimer's or dementia and Parkinson's, but unfortunately I couldn't find anybody at the time of writing my book who'd actually healed those. And I'm so glad that you put together that kind of resource for people because I get the question all the time, well, what can I do to fix, you know, X, Y, and Z condition that I've got going on? And it's, it's such a, um, it's such a good question because there's, there is no one size fits all thing for everybody. And what works for one person may not work for somebody else. Um, but there's always suggestions out there and, and holistic ways that you can go about treating not only yourself, but your animals when there's problems with them as well. So have you run it? Did you run into anybody while doing your book that had any kind of blood disorder? Um, I had one gentleman who had a stroke. That's as near as a blood disorder that we've got. Um, Mm -hmm. He uh, was an American gentleman and he had the the clot removed from his brain, but then Mm -hmm. he treats people himself. He's himself a doctor and he uses hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So mm-hmm. he treated himself with hyperbaric and doing exercises and drills, as he calls it, to get his fine motor skills back. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a hockey player. And um, after he'd done lots of hyperbaric work, he went back and played ice hockey with his friends um, who had no idea that he'd had a stroke because he totally healed. That's fabulous. Yeah, that is, that is one thing that I think... Um, some medical facilities have gotten into using that, but not everybody, no. you know, and it's, it's um, especially important in wound clinics. They use it in, in wound healing centers, and it's been very effective at treating patients. So if you were an average person that didn't want to go in the medical community, where would you find that treatment at? Um, I think you just have to do an internet search. I know there are private hyperbaric uh, oxygen clinics because mm-hmm. um, I'm connected to a, a lady on um, Instagram who goes for a treatment every week uh, somewhere in Georgia. But I, I think you would just have to do an internet search to see if there's anywhere um, near where you live because I, I do believe there are more and more springing up. Mm-hmm. Now, when you started making like your own products, 
Um, how did you get started in that? And where did you find the research? Because that's another question I get frequently, because I do the same thing. <laughs> um, my husband came home from work one day, and he went, that's it, I'm done, I've left. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so um, I need to start looking at how we can reduce the cost of our lives. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I just started doing some, again, some internet searching, um, and found some different sites um, and made some some cleaning products, some laundry product, products, some skin products. And there's lots and lots of information out there. But I like simple. I don't like complicated things. Same. <laughs> no, I just, I, and so, it can't be super time consuming either. <laughs> no, no. So I, I, I just, and because we live in Spain, I've got my own olive trees, so I can get I make my own olive oil. Well, I, take, I collect my olives and, and the press swap my olives for some olive oil. I wanted to make products that I could use my own olive oil in. Um, so I make mm -hmm. liquid soap and I make um, solid soap. And I've got a skin moisturizer that's literally organic olive oil, organic coconut oil and organic beeswax all melted mm -hmm. down. And it's really simple and it's so good for eczema and psoriasis. I've had people have wonderful results with it. I use it at night as a night cream. It's great for a bit of anti-aging. It hydrates the skin. It's mm -hmm. so simple. And that's fantastic. But I think one of the big differences between where you are and over here, um, you can't get really good quality like olive oil that doesn't have all kinds of chemicals and, and stuff like that in it. It's very... Um, not a good thing to use here. <laughs> right. Which is like a lot of the foods because I've heard that from many people that, you know, live overseas. They're like, they're healthier and then they move here and it's like, it's almost like their life goes into catastrophe and they get all kinds of different illnesses and stuff like that because our, our foods and our products, our makeup, literally everything is so full of, of chemicals and heavy metals and detergents and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because you can compare um, the same product made in America for the American market mm -hmm. uh, versus the same product made in Europe. And in America, there's a lot more toxic ingredients allowed in the products and the foods than there is in, in Europe. A hundred percent. And I hear that all the time. And that is such a sad thing, but also not surprising because that is purposeful to get people looped into that um, total lifelong cycle of unwellness, right? Where you have to depend and rely on the medical industry and, and big pharma to quote, fix yourself. Yeah, because it's it's not healthcare, is it? It's sick care. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, how long did it take you to do your book altogether? Ten years. <laughs> because I started it, and then I thought, you know, who the hell am I, and what am I doing, and this is just not going to work. And I put it away for five years. Um, and, and then I got it out again and, and the same again, you know, I'd started doing when I first got a couple of replies back, um, I typed those up into my book and then I put it away again for another couple of years because I'm like, nobody wants to contribute. And I was like, no, I've really got to, to put myself out there and really chase people to find the right people. Mm -hmm. So you 10 years, you got that prodding and that message you know, tapping you on the shoulder, Sarah. Yeah. Sarah, guess what you're supposed to be doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So have you made like a, a big uh, group of, of friends and stuff in your local area that, you know, like meet or talk or whatever on a regular basis about health stuff? No, I wouldn't say a large group of friends. Um, I've made more friends on the internet where I've met a lot of like-minded people. And that was, again, part of the reason of pulling the people together into my book, to bring together people uh, of like mind so that the, the readers of my book can then 
to their own healing journeys. So it's a like it's um a signpost you know this person's healed this disease and here's their contact details because everybody's given me their contact details so that the readers can reach them if they mm -hmm. want more information and i've actually done that with my course as well i i had a 10 module heal yourself at home course that i've expanded to 20 modules breaking it down further mm -hmm. and now i've reached out to coaches who've healed um, themselves and they specialize in one part of the healing journey whether it's being a true authentic self or self-love or forgiveness and letting go um, so I've reached out to those people and they've written and contributed an article for my course so again it's it's there so that the learner can then reach out to those people for more information around that concentrated area of my course so Ultimately, I'm trying to build a much bigger community. Right. It's all on. It's all online um, because the internet is is opening up doors to to connect people together. Agree, and I think it's so important that you did that because everybody that wants to heal themselves is at a completely different stage of, you know, like some people have already. Uh, started the, you know, clean living and, and things like that. But other people need that deeper, you know, involvement as far as uh, the spiritual journey or, you know, the trauma journey, things like that. Um, and so it's great to know that there's some place out there that has like all the resources in one spot. <laughs> yeah. So that, the, and hopefully, you know, they will, people, the learners, the readers will reach out to the people in my book or on my course for mm -hmm. further help because they've got that specialist knowledge. I mean, mm -hmm. like ourselves as, as ex nurses, we've got knowledge of all the medical conditions, the way they treat them. And then as health coaches, we've got knowledge of, of how we can treat people holistically and how we can help them through the uh, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Right. Um, and we've got the broad overview, but for people that want the more concentrated, more um, involved healing in one specific area, they can then reach out to these coaches. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, um, and this is going to sound like a crazy question maybe, but how do you feel about uh, like the germ theory versus terrain theory? Germ theory is all there is in nursing and, and doctors with medics, right? There is mm -hmm. nothing else. Right. Um, terrain theory, um, I don't think I know enough about terrain theory. I am all for... Um, we're in control of ourselves and we need to look at our environment and what we're putting into our body to mm -hmm. heal us. Um, we're not deficient in a pharmaceutical. We're deficient in nutrition or exercise or def right. deficient in emotional healing. So, you know, for that part of it, I totally get it and I'm on board with that. I haven't read enough around terrain theory to take it further. <clears throat> Yeah, and I am I am a huge proponent of terrain theory. Um, I no longer believe germ theory. I, of course, that's something that you're indoctrinated with in school, and like everything is contagious, and you know, woo woo, and don't touch anything, and don't look and breathe on someone, and all this other stuff. Um, but if you think about like most of the stuff in your body has to do with inflammation in the first place and getting rid of that inflammation that is not caused by germs or bacteria or whatever it is what you are doing to your own environment your own body yeah plus, and when i've plus, spoken to people go on sorry I was going to say, plus, you know, the stuff that they spray in the air here <laughs> and, here and too. you know, all of the other uh, crazy stuff. I believe that it is our body's response to toxins that we come in contact with. I don't believe in bacteria. I don't believe in viruses. I believe that it's a, a reaction of your body to expel toxins. Yeah, absolutely. And and when I've told people about when, you know, if you detox in and if mm -hmm. you detox in specifically really quickly, mm -hmm. the symptoms of detox is 
is flu-like symptoms. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have never, never, ever heard that. They've never been told that by anybody. Um, so when I'm, I'm, when I'm helping people to detox and clean up their life, I'm like, do, take it slowly to reduce your detox symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's something that's important for people to understand too, is that when you get like a fever, that does not mean that you are sick. That means that that is your body's thermodynamic response to help you get rid of and expel those toxins and to heal. Because yeah. we're not and meant to keep that in our bodies. No, no. And don't ever try and try and reduce a fever unless it's like way high, 104, 105. You know, let your body process let that fever run. Um, and when I was in the hospital, when I was in recovery nursing, you know, if people were having rigors, shivering with a fever, mm-hmm. they'd be dosing them up with paracetamol or anti-inflammatories to try and reduce the fever and putting right. fans on them. And I'm like, their body's shivering to warm them up more. Mm-hmm. Let's use Eastern therapies and wrap them up in a blanket. Mm-hmm. Because if we help them to heat themselves up, the rigors, the shivers will stop. Right. But we've got to get them warmer than they are now. Putting a fan on someone that's shivering is not going to help them. <laughs> that's not very smart. <laughs> <clears throat> that's healthcare for you, though. There are some stupid things that people do. But, and you know, um, in my experience and all the years that I was a nurse, I think some of the dumbest patients that I ever had were actually nurses. Because they would ask the most asinine questions or it would be, it's the same thing like uh, with the fever is with diarrhea. Your body's expelling something that's in your system that it needs to get out of your gut. But, you know, it would be like, my kid has a fever of 99. Should I give him uh, like Tylenol or whatever? And I'm like, are you a mom? Are you sure you're a mom? Because, mm, and you went to nursing school. Yeah. Some of the questions were crazy. So if somebody wants to um, get started on a journey of health and healing, what would you suggest they do um, as a baby step for the first thing? Um, try and reduce stress in your life. Mm-hmm. Because stress impacts us um, really severely, badly. Um, mm-hmm. it, stress causes inflammation. Inflammation, mm-hmm. as you've said, is the root cause of all disease mm-hmm. and pain uh, outside of trauma. Right. So if you can reduce the impact of stress, so when you're feeling uptight and stressed, take some deep breaths, bring yourself back into your body, what can you see, feel, hear, touch, taste? Um, and, and just stay in that moment for whether it's a few seconds or a few minutes, just concentrate on your breathing, take some nice, slow, deep breaths, reduce your heart rate, reduce your blood pressure and ground and center yourself. Um, and just be aware of what in that situation has made you feel stressed mm-hmm. and why are you reacting like you're reacting to it Oh, sorry, it's a fly. I know. <laughs> it's like um, really wanting attention right now. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but understand your own body's reaction to stress. Um, why, why is this situation causing you stress? And can you look at it through different eyes um, to be more accepting of it and, and work with the symptoms that you're feeling mm-hmm. in your body? Let go of that tension, do some deep breathing. That's a real simple baby step. And it sounds so easy, but it takes some focus to actually concentrate on your breathing and, and take those long, slow, deep breaths instead of those short, sharp, shallow breaths um, under mm-hmm. stress. That will have a massive impact on your life, just reducing the stress and the way you react to it. I agree with that 100%. And nowadays, everybody's life is so different and stressful you know, than what it used to be, especially over here. Um, Things are a little bit nuts over here. And so 
I think it's important for people too, like if they encounter a situation like that, or if somebody, you know, makes them angry or whatever, stop, breathe and count to 10. Uh, get yourself collected before you make a response, you know, and it, it could be something so simple uh, that should have never set you off. But because you're emotional from something else that happened that day, whether it was, you know, a disagreement with your spouse or your, you know, kids or, or whatever, that put you in a mindset to automatically do that, you know, fight or flight and like to everything that happens. Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing as well is recognize, um, especially if you're feeling angry, what it was that, that caused that anger within you because our triggers are our biggest teachers. So why did that, whatever that person said or did or that situation that happened, why did that make me feel angry? Mm -hmm. And just unpick some of that. You know, what's the origins of that? Where has it come from? Why are you feeling angry by their words or their actions or what's happened? Right. Um, and how can you look at it through different eyes? And I think, too, like communication is so important and such a big deal because um and i was just having this conversation with a, a good friend the other night women tend to lead through emotional response and men tend to lead more uh analytical and methodical about you know situations or emotions or whatever and so you have to if, if something is going on, especially in like a relationship or something, you have to learn how to communicate in an effective manner where you're not putting someone else down. You're not projecting your uh, past baggage or traumas or whatever onto someone else. You know, like um, one of the big things is always uh, like, women especially carry this well every partner i've ever had has always cheated on me and so yeah. i know you're going to do it too and so then it's like your your brain subconsciously finds ways to to kind of like make up stories in your head that yeah. you know and blow things out of proportion when they're not and i think people need to to communicate effectively in a peaceful manner but also consider other people's emotions to the point where you know those are their emotions they're not yours so you have to learn to separate yeah. the two yes absolutely communication is key in relationships so that you understand each other mm -hmm. um, and, and everybody comes into a relationship with emotional trauma Right. So it's about understanding that, but mm -hmm. also being supportive and non-judgmental to help your partner unpack their emotional traumas when right. they're ready to do so. Uh, right. And likewise for them to help you mm -hmm. so that you can grow and heal together. Right. So what do you, what do you tell people um, that want to get healthy? They want to heal themselves, but maybe their spouse is not on board or their partner's not on board with uh, like changing their diet? I think just, just do it for yourself. If, if it means cooking two meals separately, cook two meals separately. If you want to heal, um, you need to look at yourself and, and do the work for yourself. You cannot make your partner eat the same foods or live the lifestyle that you want to lead um, in your healing journey, they've got to want to do that. And if they don't want to do that, then it's a case of, you know, things are going to be a bit uncomfortable, maybe and a bit mm -hmm. difficult. You are, are rolling with your own healing journey, but you mm -hmm. need to look after yourself. Um, but it comes down to communication as well. You need to communicate with your partner that, you know, I don't want to eat that those takeaways, that junk food every night, I want to eat this salad or this um, vegetables or this fish or, you know, this this is my new food choices and I'm doing this because I want to heal myself. I want to be mm -hmm. healthy. I don't want to feel tired, sluggish, have bowel problems. Um, 
and if whether they're on board or not you can still do that for you as i said it might be a bit more difficult if you've got to cook two <laughs> meals but 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 the more that you stick with it the better you will feel and it, it might be that your partner might come on board with it you know mm -hmm. some of the time be great if they came on board with it all of the time but if not some of the time is helpful and then you're helping them to help themselves too but you can't ever force anybody to do what they don't want to exactly so here's a question for you do you use um or have you ever used essential oils yes i have used and i do use essential oils um, I haven't got specialist knowledge around them. I've got basic knowledge. Um, so I've made myself, I don't, I don't, um, I sell some of the products that I make because I know they work and, and they're simple. But when there's essential oils involved, I don't sell any products containing essential oils because I don't think I know enough to help people to show them what they should and shouldn't use or could and couldn't use. But I make my own. I've got, um, believe it or not, I've got an anti-mosquito, anti-fly um, roll-on oil um, mm -hmm. and um, an afterbite oil that I use. And I use lavender every night on my pillow for sleeping, mm -hmm. um, eucalyptus and rosemary for uh, mental clarity. Um, so I've, I've got quite a lot of essential oils, but I do need to know a lot more information around them. You know, I think it's, fantastic that you mentioned eucalyptus because here is a little ditty for the listeners eucalyptus is fantastic for nerve pain so if you have a headache if you have uh symptoms of carpal tunnel or anything like that eucalyptus oil is amazing at taking away those pains and I love rosemary. Rosemary is good for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And eucalyptus, I believe, is good for lungs too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I also make magnesium oil, which is a consistency like water. That's brilliant for pain. Mm -hmm. And the main function of magnesium is to re reduce inflammation. Right. So if we can reduce inflammation, we can reduce pain and we can reduce um, symptoms um, mm -hmm. of all sorts of different disease processes. Right. Now, do you do you make eucalyptus cream by any chance? I mean, magnesium cream? No. Not magnesium cream, no. Magnesium oil. But it's not a true oil. It's like water. It doesn't stain your clothes. And it's in a spray bottle. And it's just literally spray it on and rub it in. Brilliant mm -hmm. for or any type of muscle joint pain. But it's also good for depression, anxiety. Um, mm -hmm. It's good for cardiac problems. It's good for brain and mind problems it, it, it's just we need magnesium and, and the vast majority of people are deficient in it a hundred percent and being being a cardiac nurse um tell people why uh magnesium is important for cardiac function it it helps your heart um beat more uh, regularly and um it helps with contractions it helps mm -hmm. to reduce blood pressure it helps to reduce heart rate um because it's got a calming influence on the body as well as the um anti-inflammatory right it um, works it's a smooth muscle relaxant right yeah yeah so uh, i think i think it's fascinating and i'm so glad that you decided to uh, take this journey and to write that book because it's so important um, for people to have access to uh, alternatives, you know, and, and suggestions on lifestyle changes or, you know, dietary changes or, you know, whatever. So over here, um, one of the big things that should be like the very first thing somebody ever tells somebody about diet is to, to cut out sugar, uh, you know, white sugar. <laughs> yeah. There's so many other healthy options, uh, you yeah. know, uh, coconut sugar and, and things like that are, are much better for your body. So is coconut oil. Um, but, what are what is another thing that you would tell somebody to and it's not um, it's not realistic to tell somebody, OK, like tomorrow 
like cut out sugar completely and you can't ever have sugar again. That's not realistic because people won't stick with that. Yeah. But if you, if you decrease it a little bit at a time, that's going to be a lot more helpful. Plus you're not going to have all of those um, crazy side effects from stuff. But what is something else you would tell people to uh, eliminate or cut down on? I think wheat and dairy, because they've both been shown to cause inflammation and we're back to inflammation causes pain and causes disease. Mm -hmm. uh, we're the only mammal that drinks another mammal's milk after we've been weaned. Um, and although the goats and sheep's milk are kinder to our system than cow's milk, um, they still, we're not designed to, to take them on board, we haven't evolved enough. Um, to take mm -hmm. them on board and for not to have side effects to them. So change to coconut milk or almond milk or oat milk, um, any any of the other nut milks, um, mm -hmm. and gluten. Uh, gluten has been so changed and modified over the past few mm -hmm. decades. It's not how it used to be when our right. grandparents and great-grandparents were younger. So choose some of the older like um flowers like um buckwheat or sorghum or um sour um sourdough type breads because mm -hmm. the, the gluten in those is the older style if you you know to to still have bread or make your own choose some gluten-free flowers um, mm -hmm. I found a fabulous recipe for um like a pancake tortilla that to make a wrap with um, and it's fabulous. It's made with chickpea flour mm -hmm. and, um, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's, um, almidon, tapioca starch. I to mm -hmm. translate it out of Spanish. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and the two mixed together with water is so simple and it's so tasty. Um, mm -hmm. so, but it does take thinking about, um, and and I would just say, do what you can where you can. You can't attack it all at once. Just start right. eliminating bits slowly by slowly, mm -hmm. um, and um, and you know before you know it, you've eliminated quite a lot. But it's about changing, making those healthier choices. Another mm -hmm. thing um, about sugar, because I used to have a really sweet tooth uh, um, and crave sugar, so I found eating dates was really helpful um, mm -hmm. because the dates give me the sugar um, without having the sugar itself. Mm -hmm. But you can't eat too many dates because they've got a, a laxative effect. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then it might be a little sticky coming out the other end. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a, Absolutely. There's a lot of things that you can make with dates. You know, it's good to make uh, like all different kinds of recipes, uh, cakes or dessert bars or whatever using medjool dates. So, yes. yeah, we do a lot of that. I make a lot of bread. I do all of my own spices. Um, I make my own toothpaste. I do all kinds of stuff like that because I am not satisfied with stuff in the store. And especially like when I do my own spices and I dry my own herbs or peppers or, or whatever, um, the ones in the store always have ingredients to prevent clumping and all that other, you know, they're, they're chemicals, they're toxic chemicals. And so, um, I have not had a problem with a single one I've made ever having a clumping problem and I don't put any yeah. of that stuff in it. Isn't no, that interesting? No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I grow and dry a lot of my own herbs as well. Mm -hmm. They yeah. taste and amazing. I, yeah, it does. And it, it, it's, that's one of my favorite things is not only using essential oils, but using herbs to heal because there's so many <clears throat> healthy benefits from those that I don't think people realize. But you're yeah. not going to get them out of the garbage at the store yeah. at all. Yeah. So do you do, you do your own garden as well? I've, I did when we first moved to Spain. I had a huge vegetable patch and I grew loads, but it took so long to, to look after them because Spain is such a dry country. Mm -hmm. Watering it 
you know, it, it was expensive to water and look after. Mm -hmm. So um, I've, I do some now, but a lot less. I grow a bit of salad. Uh, my tomatoes are still fruiting. Um, Must I've be nice. Some, oh, it's wonderful. It tastes amazing. Uh, I've just planted some um, beetroots mm -hmm. for the winter. And um, my broccoli is still going from last winter. It's just not stopped. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah. And over here... Um, everybody that I know that tried to garden this year had trouble getting anything to produce. Um, especially like me, I live in the South of the United States. And so, um, like people were having trouble getting, uh, peppers, tomatoes, you know, any uh, squash, uh, zucchini, cucumbers, anything like that, uh, that's usually in in like abundance and it's like they grow like wildfire this year everybody had trouble with theirs and i i don't know what has changed and what the difference is as to why nobody was producing this year wow that's really strange mm -hmm. but <clears throat> um the chemtail spring i think may have something to do with it because we live not too terribly far from a military base, which is where the planes fly from. Um, right. And there are times when our, our area looks like uh, tic-tac-toe boards all over the place. Yeah. So yeah. ours weird. is the same. Just, yeah, we've, we've had a few days off just just lately, but in the last few weeks, our skies have just been full of lines. It's so crazy. I don't, yeah. and I don't understand um, the reason behind, uh, unless that's another thing to rope people into the healthcare community, um, you know, to be in that constant cycle of unwell. I don't know if that's why they started doing it because everything they were putting in foods and stuff wasn't doing the job fast enough. So they thought they had to spray too. Possibly, possibly. I mean, we can speculate um, about all different reasons for why they're doing it. I mean, mm -hmm. we've we've seen Bill Gates has said he wants to block out the sun, um, mm -hmm. and the sun is we need vitamin D from the sun, right? Um, as well as to grow crops. Um, mm -hmm. Is it to make more rain? Is it to stop it raining? Is it to change the weather pattern? You know, it's there's so many different um, mm -hmm. aspects to it. Here's an interesting question for you because I just happened to see this article this morning um, that they are uh, printing blood. And, and so they started uh, giving this printed blood to, to people. How do you feel about that? I haven't read the article. Define printed blood. What does that mean? Um. <clears throat> You know how they have those, uh, the 3D printers that they can make guns or, you know, anything else with. Um, they started making blood on those printers. Um, and I think one of the reasons why they started doing it is because um, with so many people that were injected, um, the blood supply has definitely changed and definitely gone downhill uh, because the only people that can donate here now are people that were not vaccinated. Right. Um, and so I just, I feel very strange about this, this new trend of printed blood because I feel like there's more to it than what's being put in the article, kind of like, you know, uh, like these uh, mammoth-sized clots that are in everybody's blood that was jabbed um, that ended up not being just clots. They were like nanostructures yeah. that, were, that were building like root systems in your, in your uh, arteries. And I kind of feel like something with the blood is going to be the same way. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to take anything that's new uh, mm -hmm. and, and just coming out at the minute 
Mm-hmm. Um, I I need to know a lot more about it and you know what's in it, how it's made, why it's why it's been made, who mm-hmm. made it, uh, what ingredients are put into it. I just I, I've was Bill Gates involved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I just can't take anything at face value at the minute. Right. So, how difficult was it for you um, to learn that things maybe weren't on the up and up in the medical community? Did you feel like um, almost like you had to let your old nursing personality die to be able to learn a new way of doing things or new knowledge? Yeah, when I first started doing the research, I was actually really shocked. You know, every day, and I'm reading more and more articles, and I would go to my husband and like, read this, look at this, look at this, look at this, and it's like, I just, you know, I couldn't believe what I was reading. I was, I was really shocked because mm-hmm. I've been brought up in the medical model, right? So to find out that what medicine's doing and and um, and the background story to it, it was mind-blowing really right because it was totally alien to me I'd never known anything about that side of it so mm-hmm. yeah I had to to like park the the nursing side of me to open up the researcher side of me to to move forward this is gonna sound um like a very personal question and if you don't want to answer that you don't have to but um did that do you think any of that contributed uh to the depression that you were going through um no and i'll say no uh, because things had happened around work um that caused the depression and mm-hmm. then i i sunk into a suicidal depression it wasn't the knowledge of pharmaceuticals and what we was doing at work it was something else um so no, it, it wasn't anything to do with the pharmaceuticals or, or the industry. It was, it was a, an isolated incident. And the reason why I asked that, um, not, it wasn't to put you on the spot, but a lot of people, um, when they go through that, you know, where they've always believed one certain thing and, and you know, they were brought up that way, their parents taught them that way, school taught them that way. And then when they find out something different and like that they've been lied to about things, a lot of people go through a very dark, um, depressive state and they find it hard to um, function or to focus or, you know, uh, the need to get off social media or something. Even people who are researching like very deeply about something go through that because they're learning something new. And I think that happens frequently. Yeah, because actually their worldview has been totally blown open and shattered. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can totally see why that would affect people in that way. But for Mm -hmm. me, it was more, I was just shocked um, at what I was reading. Mm -hmm. But it didn't, that didn't send me into a depressive state at that time. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. So where can um, people find your coursework, your book, and all of that? Um, If you go to my website, my name's sarahdawkins.com. My course is on there. There's a wait list for people to join if they want to hear about it as soon as it's available and get a discount on the course. um, Join my wait list. If not, just come back. Um, I'm hoping to get my course up before Christmas. I'm just waiting on a few more articles to come in. Mm-hmm. My book, uh, there are links on my co- on my website to my book. Uh, it's in English, Spanish, Dutch and French translations at the moment. They're all available on Amazon and there's links out from my website to that. Um, and all my social media handles are on my website as well. So can they find your products on your website as well? No, I tend to only sell those through local craft markets. Um, gotcha. and, but just recently, I've just been keeping it to, to just for myself. Mm-hmm. I understand. There's a lot of um, people that make their own stuff that have told me the same thing, that they don't, uh, they don't market it to like the world 
because um, they don't want to get their products shut down. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Especially over here because they don't like that. Yeah. So it was a absolute honor and blessing to have you on the show today. I really appreciate you coming on and having an honest, candid conversation with me. So if you could leave people with one message, what would you tell them? Um, believe in yourself. Your belief in whatever really matters and it affects your life. Mm -hmm. So believe in yourself. Believe you can. Um, and you're halfway to doing whatever it is that you want to do, whether it's healing yourself or changing your life. Just believe that you can and you will. Amen to that. So um, stay on the show. Uh, I'm going to click off the record, but I have some something to tell you. So um, for me and for Sarah, thanks for tuning in to another episode. Have an absolutely amazing day and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Cheers.